Nieves. Welcome to the Have You Seen This Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Spencer, with my co-host and good friend, Ethan Wilson. What up? And this is a show where we recommend a movie that the other one hasn't seen, and we watch it and discuss it here. Uh, this last week, we watched The Sting from 1973, directed by George Roy Hill, starring Paul Newman, Robert Redford, Robert Shaw, Eileen Brennan, Charles Deering, and Robert Earl Jones, and many more. It is a classic, um, well, a Sting movie. It's a movie about where these guys con out a mobster of a bunch of money, basically out of revenge. So, like, I first saw this movie once again with my buddy Casey back when I was, like, a teenager or something like that. 1974. Yeah, back in, back when it came out in 1973, 1974. Um, I know I liked it, and we kind of watched a bunch of Robert Red... There is a time where we were watching just a bunch of Robert Redford and Paul Newman movies. So, like, we had watched, you know, this one. We watched this. We watched, you know, Butch Cassidy and a few others. And uh, it was just one of those things that we just watched a whole bunch of anyways. But I li- but I've always liked it. I like those guys, and you know I like Paul Newman's uh, dressing for salad stuff. You know, mm, uh, what's yeah. uh? Were you aware of this movie at all? Uh, maybe it sounded familiar. I'd never seen it, obviously, but uh, the Sting had it like it rang a bell in my brain, but I couldn't. Have- I couldn't have told you what it was about. I would I would guess that you probably heard of it via the community episode intro to grifting where they Maybe. they have to grift Matt Barry and they all watch the movie The Sting and they, <laughs> it's kind of an homage to that. Yeah, movie. that and you know my dad always had uh turner classic movies on at the house when i was growing up yeah so it's likely that was on at some point in time but i was unlike you was a high schooler that didn't really enjoy like old like this is very like golden era cinema style movie so i probably didn't pay much attention to it or was would go my dad would turn it on have it on and i was bored so i'd get up and leave Uh go do something else (laughs) So that's very likely the scenario that happened. Like, unlike with like, what about Bob? Like, I had this very f- familiar feeling. Like, I've seen this movie at some point in my life as a younger kid, but just didn't remember it. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't the case with this one. I had no idea. Yeah. I think if you asked me what Robert Redford movie I had seen in my life, I would have said Captain America: 
Winter Soldier. And that's a fantastic movie, and he does, he's so good in that movie anyway. So, and, My uh, favorite Marvel movie. It's probably one of the best, but we can... It, it, it is. Know. Yeah. Shout out to Anthony and Joe Russo, who also did various episodes of Community and all that, so... And Chris really? Evans, dude. Good job. Yeah. Good job, Chris <laughs> Evans. <laughs> all right. So we'll jump right into the dislikes or that segment. So I'll let you start us off. Okay. So one big thing is this movie feels like it takes place in like a 10 block area. Uh-huh. So Robert Shaw has assassin hitman out for Robert Redford the whole movie. Yeah. And there's one point in time when they're in the middle of the grift, he goes home up the stairs and notices that piece of paper's on the floor that he put in the doorway. Yeah. And they, I mean, they obviously see his face because they, they open the door and he's going to jump down the thing and stuff. And these assassins, you would think, would notice if they're around, I would assume they're around or something, would say, hey, Robert Shaw, that guy that's that you're doing that's giving you all this information about these horse track bettings, <laughs> that's the guy that we shot at yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's that's just hilarious how like they there's like a drop of communication in that mob crime and, syndicate. You know, he's just he's just eating in that diner right next to the window every, every day. day. <laughs> it's just like you know, and and I don't know, it just seemed like he would get he would be, you know, fingered like that's the same guy. Yeah. That 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 is kind of a funny point, though. I mean, I didn't I didn't think about that. That's a, a hilarious point. My first <laughs> dislike was I didn't like all the N word usage. I you know yeah. it was made in the seventy three, but it was based in nineteen thirties. So I mean, I'm like it kind of makes sense for that era, but I'm just like oh, I forgot that it was in there, and I'm just like I I was shocked. I was like, oh, that's right, I forgot. They just casually dropped the n-word a few times and that's with the hard r with, with luther right yeah yeah because i don't that's when they're talking about him yeah yeah my second dislike was they used the word grift or grifter almost too much in this movie uh-huh like i understand yeah after the 50th time that you say this is a grifter he's a grifter or we're grifting like i understand what's going on you don't so, have to keep saying it in the community episode they they kind of make a nod to that by doing that in that episode they just say grift too much it's hilarious and that in this one i mean they're saying they are saying grift like every other word man it's Uh it's a lot in this movie at to the at to the point towards like the middle of the movie i was just like it was it was to the point where it was annoying me almost (laughs) Take a shot every time someone says grift. He just dude, be you'd pass, you'd pass, you'd pass out before the second chapter card, dude. You'd be done. <laughs> it's too much. Uh, my next one was Luther just wanted out of the game. Sadly, his last score is from a mobster who has the cops on his payroll. My dislike was that they stopped focusing on how Lanigan Lonigan was actually a crazy mob boss. Like once they start the setup in this, in like for the sting, they just kind of brush past that you know he was he's he's actually you know he's a crazy mob boss but they kind of start making him seem like he's really dumb a little bit but well, i mean you know robert shaw y'all know me you know what i do for a living yeah. he says that he says that in jaws that's a, yeah that's a 
first thing Clint says. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, but, you don't need to talk about him being a mob boss because we all know what he does for a living. Yeah. It's just, I mean, they just kind of ignored that fact. I mean, they didn't ignore it, but it's just they didn't focus on it hardly at all. Like, you kind of forget that he is a, a very powerful mob boss. But. Yeah, and th- this movie in a couple of spots hit like, like in like, kind of the way I am with Inception. Like I don't fully understand what's going on in this scene, and I don't know if it's because it just is mumbo jumbo and doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. or if I'm just not smart enough to under like the card game stuff, uh, like him slipping the three jacks in instead of the three threes that he has. Yeah, and there's the you know I was sitting there watching and. I don't know how to play poker either yeah. at all. So that whole scene, I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, I have no, I was just clueless. I was just like, it was just one of those things where I was waiting for the resolution. So I would understand yeah. what was going Basically, on. Basically, it was just a lot of deck fixing. And, you know, so um, Henry, you know, a Robert Rifford's character, he, you know, he has intel on the decks that, the, that Shaw likes to use. And then so mm-hmm. he was able to predict, you know, he, he, basically pushed him into a corner with you know by taking all the winnings from everybody because he knew what he was doing that and and pretending to be just absolutely oh yeah or drunk yeah that definitely helped sell it and then knowing that he was going to do the desperate play and switch decks so he knew that he was going to draw um like two threes or three threes and then he's going to you know send two back to get two more to get his fourth three and then while well, the other guy's getting his nine, so he just knew that that was coming, so that's why he had those jacks already there. So yeah, I just, just out cheating the cheater. <laughs> all of it was. I was just sitting there thinking, like, yeah. I, this is totally above my head. I'm completely lost as to what's going on, and I need them to resolve this scene so I can understand. <laughs> yeah, it, that one that definitely went on kind of for a while. Yeah, that scene was very long. Yeah. Also, also okay. So that lady pickpocketed him. The the lady that's the bar manager or whatever i kept thinking to myself man there's nowhere to go on a train what stops them when he realizes that that lady pickpocketed him yeah he does i mean it wouldn't be too hard to find her on a train yeah <laughs> so it seems like a risky play yeah. um but, but i anyways, think it was just you know, the point yeah i thought that was, that was a, a little cool scene though but uh, and then my last one was just some casual waitress stalking, waits for her to get off work, and then goes up to her apartment. And yeah, then, dude, especially, okay, this is another problem. Well, I'll go ahead and finish. And then I wrote, even though it might have been just a bait to lure him. Yeah. Also, Robert Redford, handsome-ass Robert Redford, way too hot for this lady. Yeah. I don't understand what the heck's going on. And the guy, you know, and the and the director said he wanted an unknown that wasn't super attractive to I guess you wouldn't run into like the bond, the deceptive bond girl thing where she's like so hot. Like obviously she's probably an assassin. Yeah. He was trying to keep it away. But when he was like hitting on this lady at the thing, I'm like, man, you're Robert Redford, dude. What are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? Well, you know, he would just, you know, he goes to that diner a lot or at least, you know, when he's in Chicago. He's just a lonely, a lonely boy. He's just a lonely, desperate, you know, desperate situations lead to uh, the quickest results. And then... Speaking of that assassin, so the guy that shoots at him on the street and then and then Robert Redford runs away, turns around, runs into the dead end, and then escapes by going down the manhole. Uh-huh. 
uh, I had a problem with that scene because I don't know if you've ever tried to lift one of those manhole covers. Oh yeah, I have. Um, they're super heavy, and, and it's hard are, to do without a, a like a a hook. Yeah, that, and if you are able to successfully get it out of the ground, there's no way that you would be able to pull that off and pull it back in 30 seconds without oh, making yeah. just a ton of noise. Like, he would have come around the corner and been like, oh, he went down the manhole. Yeah, you because... would have been able to hear it scraping. <laughs> 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 yeah, I thought that was a funny part, too, but I just, I'm just like, you know what? It's all right. But yeah, that's it for me for dislikes. I, I just wrote, gambling addiction is a crazy thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, and uh, I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Up in northeast Oklahoma, growing up, like there was one time, I was driving down the road, and this lady was this guy was pushing his wife in a wheelchair just out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and it was it wasn't super cold outside, but it was kind of chilly. Mm-hmm. I pulled over. I was like a like a junior in high school. I pulled over and asked them if they needed any help, and they told me no, that they were just going over to Buffalo Run Casino. And they were still probably like a mile away. From, Jeez. Um, and you know, I asked them. I said, "Well, you can put, you know, you can hop in the back of my truck. I'll help you load up the wheelchair and stuff, and we'll I'll take you over there." And they said, "No, they were okay." What? Um. <laughs> but you know, people just go into extreme lengths to go gamble money. Yeah. Um, I've seen it personally and just secondhand with people I know just how debilitating gambling addiction is. It's a, it's something that, that people, I mean, it's nuts, man. Yeah, it really is. I, I once tried to gamble. I lost $20 worth of pennies on a penny slot machine. Mm -hmm. It took about an hour, but it was just fun. We were just, we, me and my friends just went to go chill. We all put a I limit. I mean, yeah, it's fun to do. I Because we got too, free drinks on the casino floor. <laughs> I'm, too, <laughs> or sodas. Yeah, I'm too cheap to to gamble a whole lot of money. I think the most I've lost is probably about 20 bucks. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, the most I've won is on like 50. I've never hit like a big jackpot. I've had a friend that's won like $1,200 before. Yeah, I'm, I'm not my that grandpa. Risky. My grandpa won twenty four hundred dollars once. I would never like. I just I have a. No, thing, but like, there's no telling. There's no telling how much money my grandpa gambled to win that twenty four hundred dollars. Do you have any more dislikes? No, that was all I had. Okay, uh, and then go ahead and uh, start us off with your favorite parts and lines. So that little uh, when they're in Luther's um, apartment, uh-huh. his little son or whatever listening to the radio, and his yeah. mom's like, "We gotta go to. We gotta go over to the church," and he said. Oh, mom! What they were—they were closing in on Machine Gun Kelly. I knew you were gonna mention that. <laughs> <laughs> and the radio is just this guy screaming about how rock stars need to wear uncomfortable shoes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should make that edit. <laughs> that is actually—I knew you were gonna say something about that. As soon as I'm like, "Oh, that's hilarious." I was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like I did like a double take. <laughs> First of all, kid, you're far too young to be listening to Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. My first one was world's easiest five grand, you know, because that, you know, the courier thinks that, you know, he just made away with a big amount. And it's just hey, like, oh, he got pulls taken. out, pulls out a pants full of pants full of cotton. I know. Oh, gosh. I can't believe that he fell for that, too. That's such an easy play to 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 notice but he probably wasn't looking for he probably wasn't watching out when he was you know 
handling all that cash. Yeah. My second favorite part was when he first meets Paul Newman's character. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, he's he's passed out drunk. Yeah. And he puts him in the shower to wake him up, and then he gets out of the bathtub, and he walks over, gets that huge block of ice, and puts it in the sink and chops up and fills up with water. Uh-huh. Because he's so hungover that he has to he puts his face in the ice because your face is hot and stuff. I said, yeah. that just seems like the most miserable existence <laughs> that she could ever be in. I think that just, also is kind of a reference to another movie. Paul Newman did that in before. To, yeah, I read that too. And I, and I also it said in fun fact something about that, but I'm going to save that for later. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, I, but it just seems it's not. Yeah, it's not the first time I've seen it in a yeah. movie as recent as 2019. But yeah, um, it, it, that is a hilarious thing. Yeah, so he's just put. You just hear the bubbles. He's just putting his face in those that ice water. <laughs> it just. It's even in the movie that I'm going to mention later. It just seems like the most miserable, yeah, uh, existence yeah. ever to be in, and to have to do that. And then, so I, I'll skip over a couple of mine real fast. But on that scene, he, I just like the line, "Great, you're glad to meet you, kid. Here, real horse's ass." Just like that's just <laughs> a great introduction line. Yeah. Like that's like one of the first things he says. I like it a lot. It's just funny. Um. I also really liked everything's Jake now or using Jake as like, Oh, everything's good. Everything's satisfactory. Like it's like saying, Oh yeah, it's Jake. Like it's all good. So I'm all good. I'm yeah, Jake. You're all good. I also liked them using Dick to, to, to describe police officers. That was very funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's obviously a dick. When that guy <laughs> walks in to the, oh, the yeah. gangster bar. Yeah. <laughs> I said, seeing Robert Shaw as not Quint, to me is very weird. I liked him in oh, this yeah. movie. Um, but you know, I grew up with Jaws and yeah. I've only ever known him really as Quint. Like I know he's uh-huh. in other movies, but I just never watched him. Yeah. So s- seeing him as like this Irish gangster, instead of being like the salty sailor, ex Navy uh-huh. got war veteran, crazy person. It's just different. I liked it. He's really good in this movie. I was just, I just kept seeing him as, you know, as Quint from Jaws the whole yeah. time. I like the fact that that detective who's basically on Lanigan's payroll has farty shoes. <laughs> like every time he walks, he's like, bah, bah, bah. and it's definitely intentional because that noise is so loud f- through some scenes where like, yeah. they, it's like they intentionally boosted that sound to make it like the annoying, stupid detective guy has loud shoes yeah he was very much uh i don't know if did you ever watch batman the animated series i've seen a few episodes here and there there's a detective in that show that hates batman that mm-hmm. dresses exactly like he's dressed exactly like the guy <laughs> from this thing he's exactly like him hmm. that I'm, stupid i'm curious like, if that uh, was based on him that stupid uh like uh was a fedora style hat and a yeah. trench coat he, I mean, he looks... I'll send you a picture here of him in a second. He looks exactly like him. <laughs> I said uh, I enjoyed the uh, the title cards for each montage. Yes. Uh, the title cards and the montages for this movie. Yes. Uh, I also with the or, With the or- orchestral music with it, it makes it feel like you're watching a stage play and yeah. not a movie. I mean, a lot of it felt like... A lot of the set pieces and stuff looked like, like movable stage. Uh-huh pieces that would be in a play uh-huh. that everything you know is is just a facade it's like very 
thin material. It's made it very light and easy to move. It just all had that real cool, like you're going to, you know, a production of the the Sting. Yeah. On on Broadway. Know, at, a, at a yeah, an arts center or something in in a city. It was very cool. I liked the feel that it gave this movie. Cool. I'm glad you like those because that's like, that's like a very big signature thing from this movie that, and it, it also helped kind of set the tone to make it feel like it was a movie made, you know, maybe back in that era, like the thirties and forties. Yeah. I mean, it was, it looked very much like a, like a golden era Hollywood movie that you would see like Humphrey Bogart or someone being a main character. Yeah. Um, I also love the line when Henry walks into the poker game and he's like, sorry, I'm late guys. I was taking a crap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just a hilarious line like immediately sets the tone of that scene where like this is the character he's portraying and he sells it right away to you know everybody's just like oh it's a, a high roller loaded drunkard easy yeah. target yeah the uh so the when he goes into that bar to, to search down guys to do this job with uh-huh the boss or the manager of this gangster bar mm-hmm. goes and asks for a li- goes and asks his his bouncer for that list mm. and the names of the con men on that sheet were so funny <laughs> you looked at them yeah i mean i had captions on oh so I, they I read them all yes. i reround that part and read them and i wrote them down please read them off i love it Horseface lee <laughs> slim miller that's a good one suitcase murphy <laughs> the big alabama okay crying jonesy <laughs> the boon kid dippy burke Tippy. and limehouse chappy that's hilarious personally suitcase murphy if i had to pick a gangster name i would want to be suitcase Murphy. that's a good one actually that's a great one yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm suitcase murphy <laughs> yeah that's like oh man I'm, I'm glad that you wrote those down because like i i thought those are hilarious but i didn't really point them out i like how they show how just about every play that they start to run is set up and how it's executed all up until the very you know last few things yeah you know and even the last few things were planned i mean they, yeah. they twisted at the end and the fbi agent were actually con men yeah they're actually in on it paul newman and robert redford that that twist I enjoyed because it caught me off guard. I thought they were actually FBI people. Yeah, I said it was like watching a smaller like, like Ocean's Eleven and tw- and thirteen mostly twelve is not really, but Ocean Eleven and thirteen, you can see where a movie those movies have pulled inspiration and ideas from a movie like The Sting. Uh huh. Um, because what they're doing essentially is what these guys did, at a, like a grandiose. Yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars. Scale yeah, where they're they're going to the factories and and rigging dice and and rigging machines and card things and they're drilling into the surfaces of the underground of the hotels to cause a to cause a fake earthquake to shut down servers, security yeah. servers and stuff. So I said it's just like watching a smaller scale oceans movie. Um, which I I mean I've seen those oceans I think oceans eleven and thirteen a ton I really like those movies, uh, and this is just just like that because obviously those movies have taken stuff 
for movies like The Sting, probably the Italian job, the original Italian job, stuff uh-huh. like that. And have kind of have kind of pulled things out of those movies to make their their heist movies these days. Yeah. Um, so that aspect, I always like the we're gonna it's gonna be a fix yeah. type of thing, and you kind of see what's going on, but they don't show you the grander plan until the end of the movie. Yeah. I really like that stuff. The movie Snatch kind of is that way. It's not a big plan or whatever, uh, but it is with Brad Pitt's character, um, but there's like four different narratives going on throughout this movie the whole time in snatch. And they all kind of run into each other at one point in time in the movie all makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I like movies like that. And this movie did that to an extent. Obviously it was like one of the first, probably the earlier versions of it. So it wasn't as like elaborate, but yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I like that. They still like, they showed you, they showed the audience most of the cards that they did. Like, but then they they still kept some hidden. I like that after uh, he gets protected by the other assassin, where he knows the or by the the assassin lady, he walks in. And, you know, you could just see the relief on his face that Henry's got his back. You know. Yeah, it, <laughs> that part that that twist really blew my mind. I was I wanted I was just like, oh shit, the lady's <laughs> yeah. the assassin. That <laughs> caught me off guard. Yeah. I wrote the misdirect with the waitress being the other unknown assassin. That's always a nice surprise. Like the, I, I, I love how they pulled that off in this movie. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, did you have any more? No, that was all okay. I have. I have a few more. I don't, just uh, okay. just like three. So I have. I, I love the the little lines that that uh, other guy does. He's like, "Should have had your money on Wrecking Crew." Like just totally rubbing yeah. it in this guy's face. Hilarious. And uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I love the reveal with the guys pretending to be the FBI. And then my final one was Johnny and Henry both decide to just pass on the money and leave. You know, because they, yeah. they're kind of dead. You know, they fake their own deaths in front of a officer of the law. So we don't know yeah. what happens afterwards. But And then on that note with the money, I did a... a uh, I went to another inflation calculator site and $500,000 in 1936 is an equivalent to $9.3 million today. Yeah, I looked that, I looked that up too. <laughs> I was curious. Yeah. Um, something that I thought was funny, it's not like a problem or anything, yeah. was like they both they both fake their deaths at the end and then they just immediately walk out the front door. I know. <laughs> like an hour later. <laughs> If not, not even an hour later, like five minutes it's like, after it it's happened. Like five minutes, like Robert, like Robert Shaw, that, Robert Shaw and that cop are still getting in the car, and then Robert Redford and Paul Newman just walk out the front door, like, hey, good job, see you later. Yeah, and he just puts away. on his coat to cover up the blood stain on his shirt, and then just walks out like, see you later, guys. Have fun cleaning up. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I just thought it was interesting. All right. So... Uh, would you recommend this to a friend? Yeah, it's it's a good movie. Heist movies are always super like entertaining. Yeah, obviously people like different things. Yeah, but if you throw on like a oceans movie or this or something, it's going to be captivating to some extent, just because uh-huh. there's so much stuff going on that kind of demands your attention, or it's very interesting. Yeah, and if. And if the story doesn't draw you in, then that little burlesque performance at the beginning of the movie should. Yeah. 
um, the like I said, the payoffs of these high strategies is enough for me to hang around. Like they hook me with like the we're going to, you know, they got George Clooney and Brad Pitt said we're going to go after this casino for yeah, you know, hundred and fifty million dollars on a Saturday evening with a fight or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I would want to see how you're going to do this. It's mm-hmm. the same type of thing. Like this guy wants to get back because his friend was killed by yeah. this gangster. So <clears throat> their whole plan is just to ruin the guy by taking what equi- is the equivalent to $9 million away from him Yeah, that's... at the end of the movie. So yeah. like, obviously, yes, I'm going to watch that. I think most people would want to see that or if they understood what was going on just by the first few minutes of the movie be... You know, it piqued their interest enough to watch it. So, yeah, yeah, I'd recommend it to people. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I love this movie. It's great. I recommend it. Um, does it hold up in 2021? I mean, a few yeah, glaring there, issues aside. Yeah, they're still making these movies today. Yeah, that's true. There was a, a Ocean's movie with Danny Ocean's sister that came out like two years ago. I haven't seen it, but... You know, I think they're, you know, they're always making heist movies. Oh, yeah. That You know, they have all those Fast and Furious movies. Some of them are heist movies. Tower um, heist as well. Yeah, Tower heist. <laughs> they, you know, they're make they're popping out heist movies all the time. Yeah. So I would say, yes, this style of movie holds up in 2021. Yeah. Uh, what about its rewatchability? I think, for me personally, I think it does have some good rewatchability. I like yeah. it. I love this movie. I would rewatch it. I mean, I would watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, I've seen Ocean's Eleven, Thirteen, like a handful of times. Yeah. So, and I always enjoy watching it. I would imagine I would enjoy this. Is not as this is not as fast paced as yeah. those the newer style ones are, but um, this one's more of a slow burn. Yeah. A lot of. A lot of character exposition because they didn't have the flashy things that we can use nowadays to pepper up movies and make them just crazy. Oh, but, yeah. Agreed. And, you know, Robert Redford's someone that's fun to watch. Axel is Paul Newman and, and Robert Shaw. Yeah. Um, if And, you know, it doesn't matter when the movie was made, seven, the 20s, the 70s, 2021 or whatever. If you get a good cast of... of People that are great at acting and, and nice to look at and are good at their job. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. people are going to watch those movies regardless if they're bad or good yeah. over and over. So, Yeah. I liked it a lot. So definitely I'll, re- I'll probably rewatch it again sometime soon. Um, okay, so down to fun facts. I'll start off with just one. Um, Luther was played by Robert Earl Jones. He's the father say, of James Earl Jones. I was, I wouldn't, I didn't look it up, but I was like, man, this guy reminds me of James Earl Jones. Yeah, that's that's his dad. <laughs> okay, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Robert Shaw injured his knee and incorporated the resulting limp into his performance. Uh huh. That's actually really um, cool. Split all of the ligaments in his knee after slipping on a wet handball court in Beverly Hills Hotel. Oh my gosh. That sounds he had to wear a leg. He had to wear a leg brace during production, which was kept hidden under the wide 1930s style trousers. He oh wore. yeah, those zoot suits. Yeah. Um, this was the first Universal film to win an Oscar for Best Picture since 1930. Sweet, which yeah. is the, the the decade that it was set in. Yeah. So, so I mean, maybe Universal should look into that more. <laughs> yeah. 
we didn't win enough Oscars in the 90s, so we're going to make a bunch of movies that are based in the 90s. There we go. <laughs> yeah. That's the way you do it. That will be fun. Just make a lot of romantic thrillers because that's <laughs> what Universal would have made in the 90s. Yeah. George Roy Hill made a choice that would uh, utilize certain stylistic techniques of the 30s. For instance, he decided to use an old-fashioned Universal logo from the period at the beginning of the film, immediately evoking a nostalgic tone for the sting. Hill also employed devices such as editing wipes to transition between scenes and iris shots, all stylistic choices that would help pace an audience in a 1930s time frame. So that's something that I did notice. It was very much like how they shot a lot of those yeah. like old black and white Humphrey Bogart movies where the, the scenes would wipe away or and all that stuff. Hitchcock used a lot of those techniques in his movies in the 60s, 50s, and 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was something that I did notice watching was that they they used those. And when I saw that in the in the th- like the trivia stuff, uh, made it made me feel good that I noticed something like that. Yeah. Because I'm not like a movie person. I like watching movies, but I don't know anything about them. Yeah, so, that's 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 cool. Um, so originally Henry Gondorf was a minor character who was. Not at all looking like Paul Newman. But then once Paul Newman signed on, they beefed up his part so he could have like a full like partner movie again, like with uh, with uh, Robert Redford. Because this they, came... said, they said, you know, this guy's the salad dressing dude. Yeah. So we got to we got to get him a bigger role. Yeah. Because they're like, we just got a bland salad. We need we need Newman's <laughs> own to to make this taste better. Yeah, but... Newman's own is disgusting. That sounds great. <laughs> That's the brand of the the dressings. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was. This is a, a cool little, you know, because this 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 came after, you know, f- a few years after uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. So yeah, but this is really good. Um, Robert Redford didn't see this movie until two thousand and four. <laughs> That's. I wonder hilarious. if he's. Wa- I wonder if he's watched uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. I bet he hasn't. Who knows? He probably. He probably won't see it for forever. He'll be dead. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. I don't really have many other ones. I have a bunch. Go ahead. Read some. Uh, the movie was filmed in the back lot of Universal Studios and the diner, which uh, Hooker meets Long- Lonigan at the, is the same diner used interior used to in back to the future in 1985. i knew that phone booth looked familiar i'm just like <laughs> i was gonna look it up but i didn't bother but i'm like that phone book in that little area looks like back to the future but yeah, in which marty mcfly meets his father and calls doc brown another fun fact of that is i've been on that lot before I've oh seen really stuff in person yeah oh, did you take a when universal I, tour i took that universal tram tour dude nice got to go back and see all that stuff which was it was you know, it's still an active movie lot, oh, yeah. show lot, so it was like decked out for something else. So it didn't yeah. look anything like Back to the Future, but you could, t- I mean, you could tell what the clock tower was. Um, I'll get back there the eventually. Stuff. Paul Newman and Robert Redford were each paid five hundred thousand dollars for their role. The top rate for an actor working at the time, adjusted for inflation, that amount in twenty twenty, is equal to two point nine million dollars. That's so. That's relatively average for a, a superstar. Uh, I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a little on the know. low end. Yeah, I think it'd be on like the low Chris end. Chris Pratt got you know what twenty million plus yeah, for think, Jurassic World. 
I think, I mean, I mean, I think big time superstars from their prime. I, I don't think uh, like Jim Carrey was walking on the lot for less than like 29 million. Yeah. Or something like that. It was a lot of money. Yeah. This was the only film for which Robert Redford was ever nominated for an Academy Award as best actor. Oh, wow. That's yeah. kind of sad, but a, good for him. He got, at least got the nomination. Boycott the the yeah. academy because yeah. he wasn't nominated for best actor for captain america yeah Winter soldier hail hydra the big con by david w Maurer, originally published in the 1940s and reissued in 1999 served as the source for this picture thought that was interesting universal studios interesting. film to win Oh yeah, you said that one. the 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 one that they won before in the '30s was All Quiet on the Western Front was the movie. Oh, that's right. Adjusted for inflation, this would be the 19th highest grossing movie of all time. That's cool. Yeah, dude. 19th highest. That's I mean, even today, that's still really high up there for. Yeah. 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 Uh, many characters are seen drinking Schlitz beer during the film. Schlitz was the largest beer company in the world during the 1930s. Nice. So, being true to the time. Yeah. Nice to see. See, Paul Newman recommended Robert Shaw for the role of Doyle Lonigan. Mm-hmm. The day after he finished reading the script, Shaw reportedly said to Newman, Delicious. When do I start? <laughs> That's a good line. I'm going to use that. I'm just going to say that if I get a part and they just be like, Hey, I'll just be like, delicious. When do I start? I'm going to say it. Yeah. Well, we were thinking about using you, but now after you said that to us, we're probably going to go with somebody else because you creeped (laughs) us out. (laughs) Do you have any more fun facts? Oh yeah. I got like five more. Okay. The artwork used in the credits and enter titles uh, was inspired by the Saturday Evening Post, a weekly publication that enjoyed its biggest popularity during the 30s, huh. the time period which store, the story takes place. Paul Newman and Robert Redford often pulled pranks on set on each other, which is funny. I always like reading that they're just... Buddies. You know, putting buckets of water on the door and they're walking through and stuff. <laughs> I imagine since it was set in the 30s, you got to do like old 1930s like Looney Tunes pranks. Yeah. A stick of dynamite in a flower bouquet. <laughs> just <laughs> drop an anvil on him just casually. Similarly to what Bonnie and Clyde from 1967 had done for women, the film's 1930 inspired fashions ignited a trend in men's clothes across the country with gangster suits, br- uh, briefly becoming all the rage. <laughs> so there was and like also, a resurgence zo- of zoot suits in the 70s. Yeah. Zoot suits also resurfaced in like 2004 for every high school prom kid. <laughs> I saw so many zoot suits. I remember that, dude. Weird. Oh my gosh! It's like you look oh. like a you look like you're from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, dog. What are you doing? <laughs> oh gosh, that's so true, too, man. Oh my gosh. Paul Newman repeats the wake up hangover cure of filling the sink with ice water. And sticking his face in it first used in Harper 66. So I'm guessing that's the movie that you were talking about. Yeah. But what I, what I was saying when I saw it, it was also used by Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That 
Quentin Tarantino movie that came out recently. Yeah. That's about that's about movies in like the sixties, the late sixties yeah. or something. But Leonardo DiCaprio's character is like this debilitating alcoholic. He's he is in makeup. Okay. And they're trying to tell him what his part is going to be on the show. He's in, and he just got his face in a bowl of ice water, and it's just <laughs> bubbles coming out the side. And he just looks like he is in the most miserable existence in that scene. That scene, seriously, he looks so uncomfortable, and he's just got his face in that bowl of water the whole time. <laughs> it's very funny. Assuming we already did that one, so I can skip that one. The body count. I always like to add body counts, but if they are listed, the body count in this movie is four. Four people. R.I.P. Mm. And most of that happened in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, R.I.P. Luther, dude. Yeah, Luther, Luther. the courier, and who else was... Yeah, Luther, the courier, and somebody else died at the beginning. And then the assassin lady. The assassin lady. Who is the fourth? Or who is who's the one I can't think of? The assassin, the the assassin oh, the, the first assassin that the yeah, second assassin killed. killed. That's right. With yeah. the weird silencer on the revolver, I've never seen that before. I was I haven't seen that it up, either. If that's that, a real thing, or, I mean, aside from this movie, seems like that wouldn't help much because the the chamber explosion happens on the in outside. The back of the yeah, the revolver. I don't know, but the hammer is on the back side of the gun, and that's where the the noise the comes from. The ignition comes from. But yeah, who knows. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, I don't know how those guns work. I, mean, I don't know how any gun works, really, but it might as well just be magic. <laughs> it, is, it is magic, Jake. It is. There's a little wizard inside of it that okay. pews the, the bullet out of it. That's why the gu- that's why guns are so expensive and ammo is so hard to find. Yeah. They're running low on magic that's being imported <sighs> in from China. Jeez. Well, okay. The Chinese magic is not coming into the United States as it was okay. last year. <laughs> All those tariffs. <laughs> so the next category would be the Cast- would it be better if anybody else or if these people were casted other so johnny hooker saw jack nicholson oh i didn't even see that warren Beatty, who was who was clyde and bonnie and clyde yeah which that was surprising because he was i mean i'm surprised he turned that down yeah maybe he just didn't want to get typecast today because i mean <laughs> bonnie and clyde are they're not gangsters but they bank robbers yeah and well, Bank robbers in zoot suits. Well, <laughs> the funniest thing was that my first uh, movie I saw with Warren Beatty was Dick Tracy, the comic book movie where he's a yeah. detective in like the 40s. Yeah. And he was wearing a yellow and black zoot suit in that movie. Yeah, he just was tired doing zoot suits. Maybe. Yeah, he's he just like, I want clothes that fit, dang it. <laughs> um, fun fact about Bonnie and Clyde, that stuff happened up by where I live in, hmm. in Miami. They, uh, they got pulled over by a sheriff and killed a sheriff at a town north of Miami. Is it uh, uh, Pincher? Pincher? No, it's Commerce. It's Commerce, Oklahoma. And then um, you can go visit the the apartment they were living in when the two, I think it was his brother, Clyde's brother and wife were killed. They were shot up in the garage by the police. And Bonnie and Clyde rammed their car through the police cars to get out. That that apartment building still standing in Joplin. Whoa! There, there's a whole lot of Bonnie and Clyde stuff up in the Joplin area. It's Man, cool. That's cool, actually. Robert Wagner, which is the only movie that he had been in that I recognize, is where he was number two in Austin Powers. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I knew. When he, yeah. So I wrote down a bunch of other actors are considered for the various main roles, but I'm not listing them because I don't even know who they are. 
I'm not yeah. even gonna pretend like I know. Maybe I've seen them in other stuff, but they're all you know. Obviously, um, the era that this was made in was way yeah. Robert Wagner time. played Robert Wagner played number two in Austin Powers. Oh yeah. And um. Then, so then Doyle Lonigan, Sterling Hayden. He was in a movie called Doctor Strangelove. And oh blah, blah, okay. Blah blah, blah blah blah. That was a Kubrick movie. Yeah. Lawrence Olivier was in Sleuth. Yeah. I'd never heard of Sleuth. He was another one him. that I've heard of, but I just yeah. there's a few that I just I just didn't write down because uh, yeah. Edward Asner, he played the old man in Up, the Pixar movie. Oh yeah. And then he was Santa Claus and Elf, and he was also he was a white man in Roots, so I'd imagine he was a slave owner in that okay, movie. Yeah. But uh, he played Santa Claus and Elf. That's right. That's hilarious. Henry Gondorf, uh, Lee Van Cleef, he was in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly with uh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And a bunch of other, like, spaghetti westerns, like like Italian western movies. Uh-huh. And then the only person that I didn't, like, she was just the unknown. It was Crystal, which I think is the bar waitress manager uh-huh. character. I could be totally wrong. Uh, Angel Tompkins, and she was in a movie called The Teacher. that It looked like it was, like, a B movie from the 70s. Uh-huh. So, do you think any of these actors could have done a better job, Jake? Uh, I mean, Warren Beatty could have done it, but... Yeah, I think he would have done a good Johnny Hooker. Probably not better than Robert Redford, though. Yeah. But I think this one works out way better. I mean, it might have been a different movie if... If Warren Beatty got the role of Johnny Hooker, and that might have been to the point where Paul Newman wouldn't, wouldn't have even been on the movie... Yeah, potentially. So none of the knows? guys that were listed for Lon again, I don't think, and that's might be me speaking from bias, but I don't think they would have done better than Robert Shaw. No, I think and Robert Shaw did a fantastic job. I was expecting to go into this trivia section on IMDb and read about how Robert Shaw was a giant headache, but there wasn't anything in there about him being a, a hard person to work with. I know him and uh, the dad and what about Bob? Um, was his name uh he was in mr holland's opus that guy i can't remember his name <laughs> yeah uh i don't know he's the marine biologist in jaws yeah i know him and robert shaw hated each other really like they're like that like their actual disdain was shit like they just they're they're back and forth in the movies like it's heartfelt it's real they don't like each other <laughs> really that's interesting it's not Roy Schneider. It's not Robert Shaw. It's the other guy. Mm-hmm. I can't think of his name. Matt Dr. Hooper Marvin. Is, Matt Hooper is his name in the movie. Um, so I, I went in expecting um, to read that Robert Shaw was just a headache the whole time. But this was a, you know, Jaws was filmed in like 79 or 78, 75. Mm. I don't know. It was a little bit later. He was also dealing with like tax back tax problems when Jaws was being filmed. Ah, um, gotcha. He was having to fly from wherever they were, Martha's Vineyard, into Canada when he wasn't when he wasn't filming. Oh gosh. He was having to stay in Canada because he was dealing with tax problems. That sucks. In America. Who knows? But that's all I have, Jake. Yeah, same. I mean, all in all, pretty good movie, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Solid. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, 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 well, pretty good. Where, where can people find us? We are on 
Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So at Twitter, you can find us at Seen This Have You. And then on Instagram, we're HYST Podcast. And on Facebook, we are HYST Podcast. You can find me personally on Instagram and Twitter at Ethan Tyler Wilson with no E and Tyler. You can find me at at J-A-E-K Spencer on both Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. And then um, next week, we're going to have, as of right now, Jeff Willems, former multiple guest on the show. Possibly more. We're still working out the details, so we'll leave their names off here currently. Uh, But we're going to talk about Ari, Ari Aster, uh, his movie uh, Midsummer from 2019. Uh, this is a movie that I have seen, that Jake hasn't seen, and one of the few scary movies, quote-unquote scary movies, it's not really a horror movie, um, that Jake said, hmm, that sounds interesting, and not, uh, I don't know. So we're going to check that out midsummer next week. I'm going to be a um, brave boy and watch the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> until next time, you know, stay safe. Keep wearing the masks, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Stay safe, and I'm Ethan Wilson. I'm Jake Spencer. We'll see you next time. Bye.